Craig Bullerjack's weekly interview is presented by University of Utah Health, trusted healthcare provider for the Utah Jazz family and yours. Bowler, good morning. Hey, David James, PK. How are what you? Up? What's what up? What's up? I'm nope. good. Good? Good, good. How surprised were you by the news Derek Favors is coming back? Because when he left, he didn't shoot the three well enough, and right. offensively it was limiting him, but now he's back and he's going to fix the defense and nobody's worried about the offense. Is that because of the <laughs> acquisitions they made in the meantime and he's going to be out there with Rudy, but they'll have Bogey and uh, Mitchell's a better player than when he left and Bogdanovich wasn't here when he was here last time and they'll put him out there with, uh, I don't know, maybe Mike Conley, he wasn't here last time. Is that yeah, going to fix yeah. the offense? Um, you know, I still think the league's a three-point league, uh, as we have all discussed. But you know what, DJ, the, the Derek Favors acquisition, I think of two things. Offensive rebounds, some second-chance points, good hands, great hands, pick and roll, uh, but still a 15-foot jump shooter when he wants to take his shot outside. So, no, it doesn't fix you know the fact that if you need more threes in this league, but you get a guy who knows the system, good in the locker room, fan favorite. Uh, and again, my thought is, what has he learned in New Orleans, and what has Gobert learned, and how do they uh, have a second opportunity, so to speak, on coexisting? If they do play together, or if you know, they, if Quinn decides to go smaller with Faves, uh, it's it's an intriguing decision. Uh, but you make a great point that Donovan's better, Bogey's here, and Mike Conley uh, also is here since uh, since we last saw <clears throat> Derek Favors. So it's an intriguing decision, man. You know, it really is. And a guy, I think, that the price was right most likely and the fact uh, he didn't seem too engaged when I talked to him in New Orleans. I mean, you know, it was, he, he realized it was an opportunity, but he was very much uh, mentally – uh, tied into this franchise, and I, I'm, uh, you know, everything that I've seen, he is excited as can be to be back. Yeah, I would also add uh, more of a benefit was particularly with Joe Ingles on the pick and roll because I yeah. think they, those two had something going on, and you could pick up right where they left off. It's not like it needs to be a developing situation. Yeah, PK, spot on. You know that pick and roll, Joe does it as good as anybody, as well as anyone in the league, and. Obviously, I think Rudy benefits from Joe, too, because it seems like, you know, the frustration comes with Donovan, I think, at times when Rudy, you know, makes public declarations that he wants more touches. It's what you do with those touches. And, you know, sometimes those touches, unless it's perfectly placed, as you know, uh, those will turn into turnovers and then fast-break opportunities uh, down the floor unless you get back defensively. Uh, but, you know, Joe's a magician, and the hands of favors is uh, is something that you can't argue with, and I'm with you. I, I think that one-two punch will return with ease, and, you know, Derek's hands uh, on offensive rebounds and puts back, putbacks, and he's always had the ability to go 12, 15 feet, but, you know, Locke and I talked a, a couple of days ago, and I didn't realize um, because lock is lock, but last year, 22% three-point shooter was defaved. So that, that, that he will not be, uh, you know, a three-point threat. But a 15-foot jumper, yeah, we've seen plenty of that during his career. So 
I know people inside the organization were stressed about getting Clarkson back. I think there were maybe people inside the organization who were very confident about that, but I don't yeah. know that everybody was very confident about that. Uh, have you heard anything since he signed? Was he ever close to leaving? Was it really, hey, this was a good spot and he knew it and uh, it was always going to work out? They just had to go through the process. Where, how did that play out, you think? You know, DJ, that's a great, great question. Of all the discussions, you know, with Faves and, you know, Jordan, Really, I haven't seen as much public comment about Clarkson's return from him personally. I know the, his teammates were excited to have him back, and uh, but I think he really down deep. I can't speak for him, but I think it was a great situation. Um, you know, he kind of got a they threw him a life a life raft. You know, coming out of Cleveland with the trade with Dante, and look what he did. I mean, you got to give credit to Quinn too, who trusted. Clarkson in every which way. I mean, more than I thought you'd be involved in the offense as that sixth man, but the green light was always on. It's hard to get that type of, let's say from a player standpoint, I can't imagine that you would feel that much confident from a confidence from a coach. So if you want to look at a perfect situation, I would think this was very good for Jordan Clarkson. The money was, was better. And I think he enjoys, again, playing for Donovan, uh, with Donovan and Rudy and Joe and Bogey coming back. I think he sees a pretty good situation and, and a hard one to turn down. That's just me because he's going to be the center point, the focus, the focus of the second unit, and also you know slides in and finishes games you know at times in the fourth quarter. So I, I think it's a good deal for both, both, both parties. And, of course, there's the Mitchell thing, which was no surprise, but – you know, he didn't necessarily have to do it. He was going to get the money if he wanted it, but I think that it's more than that because that's going to be available. It's about a commitment that I think he's willing to make. Yes. You know, and there's been a lot of talk about, you know, the the fifth year or the opt-out year, and, you know, he's going to have a chance to make bonus money if he becomes a first-team, second-team, third-team, all-NBA all player, PK. Look, I think there's outs for everybody in contracts. And I know some fans were saying, gosh, you know, where's the dedication? Well, look, I mean, he's in his fourth year. Uh, the, the kicker starts next year. And, you know, you know that this guy, I think, unless I am just totally out in left field, that the guy's dedicated to this franchise. I mean, he's 24. Uh, he's done things that, I, I, that gives you that wow factor, right? And the leadership, PK, where do you put that on the list? And, again, I'm not picking on Hayward. Maybe I am. But the bottom line is leadership's tough to find. And when someone wants to lead, it's a beautiful thing. And Donovan at 24 is not only leading the Jazz, but PK and DJ, he's also made a statement as a league leader, you know? And I, I tell you, that's special. And I, I, I think he has shown the Jazz and, and Jazz Nation that, look, I'm here. I want to win. I want to win now. And I, maybe that's really the, the – if you if you break this down for new ownership and Ryan Smith, that would maybe be the message in this contract is let's do it. Let's do it now and uh, move forward. And I think the way that what I've heard through, you know, people who know Ryan very well, he's an all-in guy, and that's good. Um, and so I think that plays a part of this, and, and Donovan obviously has a, you know, a, an out uh, if, if that's what he wants to do, but most players do have that, especially at his level. But I think I think he's a guy dedicated to this franchise, and 
hopefully the Jazz can deliver. I mean, it's all about winning titles. It's all about being competitive, not just as a seventh seed in the West, but being an actual, you know, top seed playing for Western Conference championships and that 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 opportunity to go uh, to an NBA championship round. So how do you uh, how do you rank the top three or four teams in the West? Who's there? Who's in? Who's out? Who do you like? Who do you not trust? Well, let's let's talk about it. I mean, DJ, I tell you, man, it, it's a buzzsaw every year. I mean, you, you guys know that. I, you know, I don't see the Lakers have still a couple of, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a couple of roster spots to fill, but they just have a knack with LeBron uh, to pretty much do as they please. I would have put a week ago Golden State back in this mix, but now you knock them off the board in the sense of a real contender because of Clay's injury. Clippers, um, I don't know the chemistry is going to work with Paul George. I mean, some of the comments he had in the bubble I thought were just uh, bizarre, you know, that we weren't supposed to win now. Well, I, I believe you were. And that was the whole thing. There's young teams. Phoenix is intriguing. Dallas, Porzingis won't be back, I guess, until after the first of the year then. Houston seems to be blown up. Uh, New Orleans, you know, with Zion, we'll see. The Spurs, I never can out just because of Pops. And then again, you got the Blazers, you know, with Damian and C.J. McCollum. So, you know, it's the same list, right? Don't It's the same list, and it's hard to stack – you know, one through eight, one through nine, one through ten now because of the play-in opportunity that the league's going to deal out. But, man, I tell you, night after night, it's it's a buzzsaw, and you've got to be ready. But the bottom line to PK, DJ, is that you have to stay healthy and you have to have depth. And uh, that's really kind of way I think it comes down to. If LeBron who's going 35, going on 36, I'm just wondering when does father time catch him? But I don't see it happening anytime real soon. And you hope, you know, he's an incredible player to watch, but he does dominate and he does have the opportunity to grab players who will help help him win yet another championship. So, again, it's it's stacked and it's hard to pick them of whether, you know, how, they, how it's all going to stand out and finish. What do you think of their draft? Well, you know, as a bookie, um, I think I was surprised, PK. Um, I, 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 I'm always surprised because, I, you know, we always talk about, well, the Jazz are going to get a wing defender and a three-point shooter, but they go big. But also they move two bigs, Ed Davis and, and Tony Bradley. So it, it makes sense if that was the, the, the game plan to open up some cap space and bring in a rookie big uh, to develop. Faves really kind of takes the – uh, the centerpiece of backing up Gobert, obviously, but I'm anxious to see what this the big guy can do. Uh, looking at video and talking to some of my buddies back in the Midwest, I mean, they've all they've always kind of been intrigued with him. Uh, it's all about staying in shape, and they like his feet. Uh, but again, it's it's rim rim play, which is you know what we kind of expect from from bigs in this league. But the morphing of the big has already begun. I mean, most of them can shoot from outside. Uh, so I'll wait and take a look at Azabuki when he's when he's on the floor and look at the range. But the Elijah uh, Hughes kid from uh, Syracuse, I heard your interview with Bayheim. I mean, didn't you guys feel like he is potentially a, 
has the ability to step in? I mean, I, yes. that's kind of what I got. He's a yeah. four-year guy. But I was like, wow. I mean, Beheim, you know, his resume is impressive. And I, I got to trust some of the, you know, trust the way he's, you know, looking at his talent of, of players. But, you know, I know he transferred up there to Syracuse. But from what I gathered from your interview, the guy, Beheim felt confident he could fit this system very well. So let's hope. Maybe it's another Royce O'Neal gem where you, you know, you, you have to hit once in a while on a player. Uh, and maybe this is one of those opportunities again where uh, Dennis and Justin Zanuck did just that. We'll, you know, we'll find out together. You know, the thing about Bayheim is that uh, I expect college coaches to come on and really pump up their guys. Yeah. But he got really specific. And I thought when he got really specific about getting his own shot multiple times, and then with the Jeremy Grant. Uh, analogy. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like with an, uh, Jeremy Grant. He's like, guys, it's right in front of you. Can't you see it? You know that made me. That made me kind of set aside that you're you're his college coach. Of course, you're going to be saying good things about him. Yeah. What did you, What do you say about Jeremy Grant? Look at the payday. What did he just yeah. sign for? You know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think you know too. PK DJ. When you talk about players who have four years, it seems like a lot of GMs just you know hide their head. Um, you know, close their eyes. I mean, remember the Jazz, Wesley Matthews was dynamite. I mean, the Jazz had him for only one year, then he took off. And obviously he's had a heck of an NBA career despite that Achilles. But, you know, they're mature. Um, you know, Wes Matthews, Wesley Matthews, a score. And Elijah, he led the ACC. People, it, it, those those numbers are real. That's good competition. Syracuse is well-known in the college basketball ranks. And, you know, that tells you a lot about a kid who can make that adjustment at the transfer and still go out and lead the ACC in scoring. So I'm excited to see him in, well, I don't know how much camp I'm going to see uh, with the situation at hand. Um, I'm not sure if the Jazz open up uh, any of the, uh, the practice facility, but maybe on a Zoom we'll get a chance to see him work out um, uh, at Zion's basketball campus. But, you know, he may be one of those guys that we, you know, in a year or two go, wow, what a pick. And I hope that's the case because you have to hit once in a while, and it's, uh, it would be great if the Jazz uh, hit on, on, on Elijah. Go Aggies, huh? Go Aggies. How about the Utes? How about BYU? Were you stunned by BYU being 14? Wow. Yeah, it was. But, you know, I, I just pulled up yesterday, and it's still on my computer. Um, you know, I'm just looking at, uh, you know, the schedule. Don't, what do you guys – I mean, look, Navy, nice one to start the season. Maybe uh, Niamatololo and the midshipmen really were not prepared, and they haven't had that great of a year. But I think when you look at the votes, I mean, Houston, you know, on the road, 43-26. Boise State, dominant um, up on the blue turf. But – I, I, you know, you know how this works. It's it's strength of schedule and who you did beat. And uh, you know, I, I was talking, you know, yesterday, and I, I just wonder. Hate to open up this conversation again, but is it time to 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 think it again, rethink it again? I mean, I don't know if you have a conference, if that would make a difference, where you can dominate in the Mountain West, set up nice, you know, rivalries with Boise State. Uh, I'm just not sure. Again, I, I I understand BYU had to do whatever they could to get a football schedule put together. So, believe me, I get it. But still, 
I think when you look at 14, TK and DJ, Texas State, North, uh, North Alabama, uh, University of Texas, San Antonio, uh, Troy, uh, you know, that plays a factor. It has to uh, when you're looking at other teams that play in the Power Five conferences. I mean, it's just the way it is. Uh, and But I know the argument from Cougar fans is, look how we dominated those teams. No doubt. No doubt. And Zach has had, you know, numbers that are just as, man, the Sarkeesian days. Um, and I don't know, I can't remember a quarterback from BYU who has been so prolific uh, over the last 20 years, 15, 20 years. And he's dominated teams. But still, that hasn't doesn't prove to be enough to, you know, I thought maybe top 10, but 14. Uh, that surprised me. It really did. Well, Bowler, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on. All right, guys. Take care. We'll see you soon. All right. DJ and PK, everything you missed in this show coming up next. We'll get you up to speed. Stay with us. Let's go. The Big Show. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. The initial college football playoff rankings, not viewing the Cougs like the AP and the coaches poll. BYU comes in at number 14. Kalani Sitake. But last I checked, I didn't know the quarterback for Boise State played defense. Whoa! <laughs> you know what I love right there? Kalani sticking up for his team. I think that's great. You and I both agree. BYU's schedule has been substandard this year, but they put together what they could under very difficult circumstances. But don't be denigrating what BYU did against Boise State. Well, they're looking for uh, whatever reason they can to exclude BYU. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. There's this narrative out that we were hiding or or ducking or waiting, uh, and that's just not true. It's a false narrative. I want to make sure everybody understands we're not afraid of anybody. We will respect everyone that we play, but there's no fear in this. But it's not anything unique to us. Uh, That's what makes college football great. Nobody's afraid of anybody. You know, uh, we're not afraid of Washington. They're not afraid of us. Uh, that's why we dedicate our lives to this game. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, we can we can do a lot. And to be honest with you, we have uh, two weeks left that are open, December 5th and December 19th, that we're willing to play football. And, uh, you know, if there's anybody that are actually have an availability to play those games, we would love to do it. There's Kalani Sataki, BYU 14th. On the outside looking in as far as the college football playoff goes, and that's just the first poll and there's time to change it. And there are a lot of people going negative. Uh, a lot of uh, guys who are writing, uh, I think The Athletic has got a piece out about BYU got a raw deal. And Kirk Herbstreit was on ESPN Sports Center saying that BYU got hosed. That, that's the three-word quote. BYU got hosed at the end of his you know, two minutes or whatever they gave him uh, as he talked about that. So there's a lot of negativity out there. Maybe that helps him bounce back. As far as adding a game, the breaking news this morning is Cincinnati's got positive COVID tests, will not play this Saturday, and that game uh, will not be rescheduled to the next Saturday. So the December 5th date is out. BYU can't play Cincinnati on December 5th, which is what we were talking about early in the show, but that's now off the table. I don't know who they can add. It's uh, it's time to call everybody again. I I guess the one thing is to go to your point, PK. Um, you know, it, they should have said yes to Washington to win the PR battle, and their tendency to be secretive and be quiet. And Tom Homo isn't out there. That works against them because other people get to establish the narrative when you say nothing. 
And it's a false narrative. Would you rather have a false positive or a false narrative? Well, the word false is now taking center stage. But when you step back, if they're not going to get into a New Year's Day, which now has become the ultimate goal, which they knew once they went independent. I mean, they're, they're kind of made their own bed here when you step back. Because once they went independent, they knew the opportunity to get this was going to be very difficult. Right? Yes. So now here we are. And they're complaining about something that they willingly did. They, they willingly went independent knowing that the bowl possibilities in terms of glamour were going to take a huge hit. So if you step back and look at big picture rather than this, do I think 14 is too low? Yes. But the idea, if you're not in the New Year's Six, what's the difference if you're 14, 25, or one spot out of it? You're still out of it. You know, it's like... Recruiting is great, and the only way it's great is if you land the kid. If you finish second, who cares? That's the same thing as last. So they knew that, and I haven't heard anybody say this, that they knew that the bowl games that they were going to get weren't going to be near as good. And they willingly still did it with the opportunity to play all these big names, any stadium, NFL, blah, 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 all the stuff that they've anywhere in the country, the four corners of the earth or the U.S., they'll play you. So this is really what they got, and now it just took this long to come to pass. Well, wait a second. This sucks. Well, (laughs) you know, it didn't suck the prior other Mm. years because the other nine years because you were never in position to get it. And now you're in position to get it, and you're whining about it? Well, you knew about this going in in the first place. There's a lot of truth to that, but if they were in the Mountain West right now, they they wouldn't be getting it either. Because if they were in the Mountain West right now, you know, the Mountain West, had, or the WAC, the forerunner, had the Fiesta Bowl and lost it, had the Holiday Bowl and lost it, now the Vegas Bowl, you know, you grow it, it gets to a certain point, and then they run off to a power, two Power 5 leagues, and, and you're left to start over again somewhere. And if they were in the Mountain West, and they were the best team in the Mountain West right now, they'd still be trailing Cincinnati, and they'd be on the outside looking in. They might be ranked higher, but they wouldn't be guaranteed anything. Yeah, but that's just this year. TCU playing the Rose Bowl, that's just this year. Right, so but what happened is it went the from West. That, they would have potentially had other opportunities. TCU got to the Rose Bowl when there were six leagues, and the Mountain West was the best league on the outside looking in. Since it's gone down to the Power Five, I know. now the AAC understand has that. usurped the Mountain West spot because Utah got to the Fiesta and Sugar Bowl, and TCU got to the Rose, and Boise State got to two Fiesta Bowls. Now, Boise State did get to a third Fiesta Bowl in this era, but the AAC has taken off since then, and, and they just seem to get it. So if you want to get BYU into a league, it seems like if football bowl games are what you want, you better get BYU into the AAC because nine times and, – and they don't get it every year because didn't Northern Illinois get one one year? And then they got drilled. <laughs> but they got in out of the MAC. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, but that's the funny thing about it is you went independent realizing you were going to de-emphasize bowls, and now all of a sudden bowl, the bowl, the New Year's Day bowl is the be-all, yeah. end-all. Well, it was going to be. Ago, it wasn't. It was about exposure. Yeah. And so were, if you look at exp- You were going to get the exposure from six big games, and then those six big games all got called off this year. But right now they're getting way more exposure than they've ever had. <laughs> that is true. That is absolutely true. I don't know if it still is, but I opened up ESPN earlier this morning, 
And was it uh, was it the home? Let's see if it's the homepage or if it was. Well, now uh, Nick Saban has tested positive for COVID nineteen and will not coach the Iron Bowl. So that's now the big thing on the uh, on the college football page. But it had been earlier. It was uh, it was BYU uh, college football playoff rankings reaction. BYU disrespect and SEC was, love fest it was and this morning. more. I saw it. Yeah, yeah. BYU makes a surprising fall and top 25 reveal. Yeah, now, it was been, out there. That's one of the first yeah. websites I go to. Yeah. So we've spent a lot of time talking about that. So they can't get Cincinnati they, on the fifth. They're getting it. Who can they get? They're, I don't know. That's where uh, – everybody knows about BYU's situation now. <laughs> so it ought to be easier today – theoretically, than it was yesterday. Now, I'm speaking you know, more, more metaphorically here, but everybody who's involved in college football, the big story was BYU at 14. No one's talking about the four obvious teams. And, you know, then the way this thing works is that you usually have the, the same suspects are in the top four, then which SEC team is going to be five? And And then maybe they'll squeeze in a Pac-12 team at six. Nope, now, Florida. <laughs> yeah, we can't do it this year because of the fact that uh, they haven't played any games. Yeah, they, you know, the Pac-12 has been jacked up. So then the next conversation right after that has been BYU. And everybody knows they're looking for opponents. So maybe instead of Tom calling somebody, somebody can call Tom. That'd be great if you got a call from A&M. They're at five. They won in the playoff. Now, maybe they just sit at home on conference title weekend and hope that the Notre Dame-Clemson loser is out. If Notre Dame beats Clemson a second time, I think Clemson would be out. But I don't think Notre Dame's going to be Clemson a second time. The danger for A&M is that Clemson beats Notre Dame in a close game and they both get in. If Clemson blows Notre Dame off the field, then Notre Dame's out and A&M's in. A&M's just got to sit there at five and take care of business. But the thing Tom could say to A&M is, yeah, if Clemson kicks a field goal right at the end to win by a point or two, then what? And I don't think A&M's going to lose. I think they're going to hold at five. Uh, well, they, Auburn they is can their, figure that down themselves. Yeah. they, they got to play Auburn. So, so that would be the conversation. You know, what's, what's the motivation there for a team? Florida is at six, and they're not going to be available because they're probably going to be in the SEC title game. Cincinnati's not available. Northwestern at eight isn't available. I don't know if Georgia at nine, what's the point of them playing you? They're, there's only three SEC teams, I think, that are allowed in. I think you can have a conference with more than three teams in the New Year's Six. So Georgia's on the outside looking in. They don't have any motivation. You know, who's it, who's it going to be? Um, Tom will call everybody again. He's, he said he's already called everybody. He goes, everybody's aware of our situation. <laughs> He's just said, you know, as we get deeper in the season, we've got some dates open and hopefully, uh, you know, but it, hopefully something will happen. But it comes down to what is the other team's motivation? Why do they want to? Maybe they just want to get in one more game and maybe they want uh, the payday from adding a game and a network kicks in a few more bucks to show it. Um, maybe they need into a New Year's Six. I don't know. Because it doesn't do you any good to bring, out, bring in somebody who's in the middle of the Sun Belt. No, 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 not at all. On the other hand, Kalani's all sorts of fired up, and you were bringing up the point that if you know Kalani, that's how he is. He is he's all shucks guy in a lot of his interviews, but you got to remember that like this is a, fi- a fullback who got himself fired up to go crash into 
a charging 250 pound linebacker or a three or, or a pass block some 300 pound or 280 pound defensive lineman who was rushing a quarterback. So you know the fire he's got, and he showed a little bit of it, and that entertained us all. Yeah, yeah, I had a conversation with him later in the evening. I mean, he was fired up about it, and he wanted to go crazy, but that that would have detracted from his message. And so I think he showed the right amount of passion. And the great thing about it that I haven't heard mentioned, what a phenomenal recruiting tool. Come play for a dude who is so passionate and is going to love you like you've never been loved outside of your mother and father and grandparents. And he's going to care about you, and he's just going to go to whatever cliche, wall, battle, whatever you want. Put that in there, and that's what he's going to do. And he's going to be your coach. Those guys are going to coach you hard. And then he's going to be your advocate for life. Who wouldn't want to have this man? That's what that message was yesterday when he was doing that television stuff. It just, me to me, and we've known him. I mean, we've all known him for a long time. I've known him for over 20 years. And that's what it screamed. So that's what I keep saying with this exposure for BYU. Just pop in that tape. You want somebody who's going to have your back? Put in this. Listen to this. Come on, man. This is where you belong. You know you want to be for the play for this guy. What a phenomenal recruiting tool. The exposure they're getting out of this has been the best since they've been independent. This is actually great news for the viability of the program going forward. Now, you could say, wait a second, they went 9-0 and and they're 14th, so they're never going to get any respect. Yeah, son. At least for me, and everyone brings their own perspective. And I've had to fight for everything. I wasn't born into Jack. And so this is the way I approach life is I'll show you. And so, yeah, come come play for BYU. Come play for BYU church school where and, – and they should mix in religion because it's part of what they've got. And use any tool that you have is for recruiting. And play for a guy who's been there, man, a guy who's been doubted. I mean, look at the freaking administration reluctantly renewed the guy. I mean, come on. This guy's had to fight. Can you imagine? His own people didn't even believe in him. Wouldn't you want to be a part of that? I just think it's a great opportunity for them to have a more success on the recruiting trail that they've had in recent years. They're going for 100 against San Diego State. I can see it already. I guess first things first, you know, you got to get to 50 <laughs> well, at halftime. Yeah, I don't know that that's a possibility, but – Obviously, if they don't have a game between now and then, or really any game, even if they do, however many games they play the rest of the year, they're on fire. I don't know that any program in the history of college football has been more motivated. Yep. All right, uh, the Washington possibility. Uh, stop talking about that because it really wasn't. Everybody who thought Washington was going to play Utah is now right because Washington's playing Utah Saturday night, 8.30 on ESPN. And uh, for the Utes, a road game here, I guess uh, Mark Harlan's tweeted out, the TV truck was up there, it's a holiday, and they got to roll it early, and it just, it, it's the way things work out. So they're going to Washington, going to Seattle again. Uh, I guess all we do is turn on the TV and wait to see if the how much the O-line has improved. If it's the same guys on the O-line, that's another thing to look for. Well, 
if they just run out and take a hike, I'm going to be literally happy. Take a hike because uh, you know, who knows what can happen between now and then. And the fact it's an away game with no fans, as Mark Harlan said, and they'll probably get it made up to them down to the line. Just play the ball game. You know, if I were BYU, in retrospect, I would have said, yeah, not only will we play you Saturday, we'll play you Friday too. We'll play a double. We'll play back-to-back because it was never going to happen. BYU will host Westminster at the Marriott Center tonight on BYU TV. Utah State is playing Virginia Commonwealth, VCU in South Dakota. ESPN 2 at 7.30. Scotty G is going to have the call right here on the Zone Sports Network starting at 7 o'clock. That's some of the other stuff we were talking about. We'll be back with your feedback next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it is time for your feedback. What you think about today's show, Autumn Wind at Youth for Life. BYU's recruiting class hasn't even broken 100 in the rankings. Keep plugging it, PK. They need all the help they can get. Okay, BYU and Utah are always rated too low. And it comes down to the, the mission kids that they get don't count. And they don't get credit for them when they come back. So they're off the radar. BYU, Utah is always ranked way low in the Pac-12. Mm, then they went. Oh, I think it's gotten a lot better, though. It has gotten better, but it's still not good. It's not as awful as it was. You're right. Well, I think it's easier to track with BYU because we see uh, LDS kids not going there, and mm-hmm. it jumps out at us. Yeah. Somehow they're supposed to get these kids, even though I mean it's not doesn't really seem fair. But nevertheless, they're high-profile LDS kids. We know of them because they stand out, particularly if they've gone on a mission. They stand out big time. And if Stanford's got six return missionaries, it stands to reason that those guys can help. And if Utah's got, however, they they got a whole slew of them, that you know those guys maybe they would want to go to BYU. Uh, that's a, I, I don't know that it will actually matter. In the end, because every kid makes his decision how he makes it, but I'm saying there's a possibility with Kalani showing that type of passion. Doesn't that fire you up? Now, we know the guy. So, of course, and we know his loyalty and all the good qualities about him, and we've known him for years. So we're advocates of his, obviously, as are a lot of Ute fans, and Ute, particularly not necessarily fans, but people like a Frank Dolce, who knows he's a Ute guy, obviously, but he knows Kalani. So Frank knows of what we speak. And so that could be something that you would like to see them to be able to cash in on to improve the recruiting whether they can or not i don't know but the opportunity is there better than kalani's ever had in his five years being at byu right now dan says hey even if an sec or big 10 team would want to play byu their conferences will not allow non-conference opponents this year well dan that might be the way it works out certainly that has been the rule to start the year but everything's negotiable and if it's uh, if one of those teams is on the verge of uh, getting a New Year's yeah. six or getting into a playoff, we're seeing conferences change. Right, figures by the day. There it's, are no rules, is what it's come down to. It's it's worth a phone call. If they tell you no, they tell you no. But yeah. it's definitely worth the phone call. And then BYU more aggressive with the PR instead of we do our thing and we don't say anything and. That sounds good. But when you don't say anything, you let other people control the narrative. You don't get your side of the story out there, you know. So, true. you know, they got to say at some point, at some point, I think Tom Homo needs to end up on ESPN. <laughs> he needs to end up on ESPN and say, I called 20 schools. Name a school and have those name. Them. Called them. 
called them. We'll yeah, go there. Nice. We'll go to any of those schools. And they've all got their reasons, and we're not mad at them, but don't think that we're not willing to go. You know, And everybody's got their reasons and wants to play the hand they're dealt. But, and, and it would be dicey for a, a Texas A&M to say, well, we're worried. You know, if, if Notre Dame loses on a lasting and field goal to Clemson, we're out. You know? But what if we pound BYU and Notre Dame loses by 10? Does that get us in? You know, if, if Clemson beats Notre Dame by 30, then, then I think Notre Dame's out. They're, they're just out. And AM's in. And maybe AM just wants to play a pat hand and wait for that to happen. You know? Yeah. But you don't, know unless, you don't know unless you call, and you can't let the fact that SEC said no non-conference games in, in August or September, whenever they said it, uh, impact right. what you do now in November or December. You know? And if they say, nope, absolutely not, well, okay. Uh, we asked, and the SEC said no, or A&M individually said no, whatever it works. You know, A&M may want to do it, and maybe the league would say no. I don't think they would. They're the SEC. If anyone's going to change a rule on the fly to get into a playoff, it's the SEC. You know, they're, they're, they're more results-oriented than any conference out there. So, oh, We got a lot of Ute fans who are uh, saying, ha-ha, told you so, go play Corner Canyon. We're getting a lot of that in various combinations. The rivalry and all things. Mean people in a holiday season. They're they're mean people. I don't like them. <laughs> okay, thank you, PK. Who are you, and what have you done with PK? <laughs> <laughs> We're out of time. Scouting hands are coming up next. We'll have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you on Friday.